I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you are here, and I believe that the Lord has a word that will bless your heart, that will be spiritual food, spiritual nourishment to your inner being, your inner man. Praise the Lord. Let's go over today to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Let's look at one scripture that's very powerful. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. And I believe that God's financial plan for you is a very good plan, and that it's laid out very clearly in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, for you know. Now, there are some who don't know, but those under the teaching ministry of the Apostle Paul they certainly knew about it because he taught on it, expanded it, made it clear and easy for the people to understand. And I also want you to be walking in the same knowledge of this particular element of God's grace. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. When and where did that happen? Well, it took place upon the cross. We can't really say that Jesus was poor while he was on the earth. Now, some have taken a few scriptures out of context, primarily the scriptures where it says that he had no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes in the ground. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, you cannot build a doctrine out of that because you can't take verses out of context and then tried to build a whole house out of one stone. No, that's not a foundation stone. That was one night where he was on itinerant ministry, endeavoring to go into a certain town to minister, and the leaders of the town said, no, we don't want you coming in here preaching. We don't want your ministry. We don't want your message, and we don't believe you're the Messiah. So he was not allowed in, and in times like that, Back in the ancient days, uh, it's not like you could say, okay, that's fine. We'll just go check into the Holiday Inn over here. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're not going to use the Holiday Inn. We're there last night. We're going to go over here tonight. We're going to check into the Hilton. Uh, so, uh, you know, I guess you don't like my ministry. That's okay. We'll just check in over here to the hotel. You and I both know they did not have those luxuries. And uh, if there were what we would call an inn, it would be within the city walls with the gates closed at night. So being told you can't come here, uh, which really irritated James and John, but you know, they had that very, uh, uh, kind of like a, well, they had an anger issue, uh, but the Lord turned John into the apostle of love, but they were pretty hot. Hey, Lord, do you want us to call down fire on these people? And the Lord's like, no, I didn't come to destroy people, came to save them. But nevertheless, you know, it's a night where you have to roll out the sleeping bag and just rough it a little bit. But it wasn't like that every night. But there definitely was a degree of sacrifice required if you wanted to follow the Lord because you didn't always know uh, how the crowds were going to be or how the message was going to be received. But his needs were always met. And he had 12 men on staff with him full time. Those men were married. We know that Peter was married, of course. You know, Jesus even healed his mother-in-law, the Lord, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. So obviously, if he has a mother-in-law, he's got a wife. And uh, you can easily see that they all were married. And there is the responsibility for these 12 men to walk away from their full-time jobs 
which, you know, fishermen and other types of occupations, tax collector, whatever it might be. So the Lord is providing for them. And then there was also the 70 that he would send out. And so those also would need financial support. My friends, the Lord was not poor. And when there was a need, if it wasn't in the money bag, if there was a need and it wasn't there, well, the Lord wasn't in a bind. He, he could hear from headquarters. He could get instruction from his father. The Holy Spirit would convey that to him. And even if it meant sending Peter to the lake to go fish and to drop a hook in and to pull up money in the fish's mouth, then there was always a way. So this place of becoming poor technically, doctrinally, it happened when he was on the cross why did he do this? That you through his poverty might become rich. Well, when did Jesus become impoverished? That took place on the cross when all of the sin of humanity, and sin is very vast, the curse of the law and every awful thing that comes from breaking the commandments of God and those various punishments and all of the uh, things associated with sin from disease and sickness, all of these awful things that were never in the Garden of Eden initially when there was no sin. But the moment sin came into the earth, the breaking, the transgressing of God's law, God's instructions, and all of these awful things were released. The curse was released into the earth. And in that curse, was this awful thing called poverty. And some in the church have tried to romanticize poverty. And what I mean by the word romanticize, they've tried to make it appear good. And we've seen dumb examples of that being done with other certain things that are bad and they can't be made to appear good, even if they're necessary, such as war. And World War One really across Europe, the European mentality before World War I, leading right up to it, was that war can be good from the sense that, uh, you know, it can, it can cause men to rise up for a noble purpose and all this and that. But hey, once the bullets started flying and body parts started being blown this way and that, the horrible reality suddenly washed away all of the romanticized mentality pumped into the young people sent to the front lines to get blown apart that this is hell on earth. And it is. You want to do everything possible to avoid war. Sometimes you can't. But it's a mess. Uh, it uh, tears apart people's bodies and tears apart people's minds. It's a very difficult thing. But as crazy as it was, it, there's old writings, and there's a lot of them too, that romanticized war before, just before the bullets started flying in World War One. It's an awful thing. Poverty. Don't let anybody fool you. It's, it's evil. It's bad. It doesn't make people holy. It makes people bitter, frustrated, upset. It dishonors and... It just really reduces humanity to a state of degradation that uh, does not reflect in any way the image, the beauty, and the glory of God. Jesus, we give you praise today for what you've done. Hallelujah. Now, it says here that through his poverty that we might become rich. Now, I'm a bold Pentecostal preacher. If it's in the Word, I'm going to preach it. And I'd like to tell you today straight from the authority of Scripture that the Lord became poor so that you could become rich. 
God wants you to be rich. For some of you, you about fell off your chair when I said that, but you're going to have to get back up off the floor, get back into the chair, and you're going to have to look at this scripture, and you're going to have to let it go into your spirit, ponder it, consider it, and let it do its work in your life, because it could be shocking if you've been raised, uh, taught that God wants you to be poor. Don't you know that the world would like for you to stay poor and broke? Let me just say this. God wants you to be rich. You know why? Because if you're rich, you know what to do with the money. Sinners don't know what to do with the money. They spend money on the most stupid things. They send money. Uh, they, they spend money in ways that actually amplify their life and their cravings. And so money is just an amplifier. So it amplifies their sin. It gives them free expression to express what they actually want to do. And so much of that so many of times is just that of sin, sin, sin. But when the believer has money, it amplifies the desires that are on the inside of you, which is to do what? See the gospel proclaimed throughout the earth. See the great commission fulfilled. See people relieved of suffering. See people saved and born again and diverted from a burning hell to the glorious gates of heaven and pass through those gates into their eternal reward. Well, that that requires money to preach the gospel, to print Bibles, to build Christian hospitals. By the way, atheists don't build hospitals. Christians build hospitals. Good people that God has blessed with money. Christians, they're the ones that build the hospitals. And all of these uh, beautiful relief works, and on and on it goes, whether it's Christian television, Christian uh, you know, radio, or whatever it might be. My friends, that's why God wants you to be rich. That's why Jesus became poor, that you through his poverty that he bore on Calvary, that you might become rich. There was divine exchange. Mm-mm. Same thing with sin. Jesus bore our sin. Why? So there could be an exchange, so that we could become his righteousness. Wow, what a trade-off. Who wouldn't want to accept what Jesus has done for us? Now, there would be some that, of course, try to, um, how can I say, get out of any Scripture that would actually be for their betterment. I don't know why some Christians tried to do that. Maybe they have a... Uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe they feel condemned or something like that. Maybe they don't, they don't feel worthy. Maybe they don't really know who they are in Christ, that in Christ you are worthy because he became, uh, we, we became his righteousness. So our identity is in him. It's not really in ourselves. So, uh, but maybe for whatever reasons, they just don't get it. So they're always looking for a way to escape the promises of God. And they'll say to you that this becoming rich is being spiritually rich. <laughs> and I'm sorry, can't help but laugh because that again is taking something out of context and trying to fit it into a paradigm that they have uh, in order to support uh, something that's already on very unshaky ground or shaky ground, excuse me. So uh, look, just keep it in context. Second Corinthians chapter eight, the entire chapter is about the giving of an offering. It's about finances. So this is not about your spiritual, you know, be, be rich spiritually. Th 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 that is just a horrible misinterpretation of Scripture that you, that you might become rich. It's talking about finances, just like the whole chapter is talking about finances and the giving of an offering. And even the second chapter following it, uh, chapter 9, is also a continuation of the receiving of an offering and your financial well-being. My friends, just receive it as it is. The Lord wants you to be rich. He's very open about it. The, the teachings of the Apostle Paul are very clear along this lines. And throughout Scripture, we see that God 
gave us the power to get wealth. If wealth were wrong, why would God give us the power to get it? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, and on and on it goes. Well, Pastor Stephen, wasn't Jesus an old barefoot preacher walking around begging for a bologna sandwich handout? No. Uh, first of all, he didn't eat bologna because that's pork. Uh, uh, you know, he's Jewish. And second of all, he wasn't barefoot. By the way, uh, thank God for Mr. Rockefeller, the, the very wealthy man uh, years back, the, uh, the, um, the tycoon who had all the money, who said, I'm going to put an end to hookworm. And hookworm was primarily caused and still is in undeveloped nations of the world by people walking around barefoot. So he began a major educational uh, distribution of health teaching, particularly throughout the southern parts of the U.S. states, that walking around barefoot is not a good way, is not a good thing to do. You're going to end up stepping in little thing, microbiotic, real tiny things you can't see that are parasitic, that are carrying diseases and germs that are so small it will go through the the, the skin of the bottom of your feet and it develops hookworms inside of your body. So no, Jesus wasn't walking around a poor barefoot preacher. And a matter of fact, when they, uh, crucified him they gambled over his clothing and I've never seen any hobo any homeless person any beggar I've never seen anybody gamble over a homeless person's clothing so it was a very nice garment so nice that they were intent on not tearing it so no you can't have a bunch of full-time workers you can't have a treasurer you can't have all that and be poor and broke it's just it's not possible I've never met a homeless person in my life who has a treasurer standing next to them holding a bag full of money. I've never met a poor person ever in that situation. So it's not possible that he was poor. He became poor on the cross for you and me, that we might become rich. So the word might gives the potential for it. You might become rich. Yeah, if you believe it, if you respond to it, if you if you step out in faith, and if you line yourself up with biblical covenant principles of finances, you're on the way to becoming rich. It's not guaranteed. You might become rich if you believe it, if you receive it, just like all of the other blessings of God. You say, yes, I believe it. It's in the Scripture. I take a hold of it. I make that part of my life. Glory to God. I see many of you becoming rich because you embrace you, you embrace the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you embrace the teachings of the new covenant, particularly those expressed through God's servant, the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. Now, let's honor the Lord. Move forward, move forward, move forward in towards God's plans for your finances, which is taking you into a place where you are rich. Praise God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Now, Scripture says that the tithe, which is 10% of your earned income, or 10% of all monies that are placed into your life or that are brought into your life, 10% belongs to the Lord. That's called the tithe, and that belongs to Him. So we honor God. We bring that to Him. And on top of that, should you feel the leading of the Holy Spirit to connect with a kingdom assignment project, then you can sow an offering. You can sow a financial seed into that as well. And that also uh, places you into position to work laws that are spiritual and natural called seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. It's natural. Farmers use it all the time. We use it all the time in the kingdom for the sowing of financial seed to reap a financial harvest. Praise God. All right. So let me pray over you as you honor the Lord with your tithe and as you sow financial seed. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for your precious people. I thank you that any of those that have been frustrated financially will begin to turn it around 
based on the solid foundation of your word. Lord, it is your desire to make them rich. Father Jesus paid the ultimate price. He became poor so that we could become rich. Now, Father God, let your people embrace the divine exchange and step into their financial destiny of becoming rich. Father, as they honor you with the tithe, as they sow financial seed, I thank you that you are certainly taking them to the pinnacle of the financial mountain. You're taking them to the top of the economic mountain. And Father, it is for your glory. They'll have money and they'll know what to do with it. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. All around the world together as a family of believers, we shout and say, Amen. Praise God. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithe and offering, you can send that to Stephen Brooks. International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. That's the zip code. If you prefer to bring the tithe and offering in online, which many of you do that uh, who are international, that's totally fine. Of course, works great in the country here as well. You can go to the ministry website right now, anytime, day or night, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Give. You click that red tab called Give. It has a heart on it, and it will uh, give you the various options for online giving, and you can bring the tithe and offering in online. We also have two special projects, and that's under the header that's called projects. If you click it, you'll see the hangar project, which is for the hangar for the future ministry aircraft. But before we have the horse, we have to have the stable. Before we have the, the plane, we have to have a hangar to put it in. So we have that project, and we also have the project of the television airtime. Praise God. And that is an ongoing project because we are reaching one billion souls on a weekly basis, but we want to expand that because there's still six billion more that we want to just get the gospel out there too. And my friend, uh, both of those projects is good soil to sow into, to sow your seed into. Now, Father, I ask that you would bless your people. They're bringing the tithes and offerings in now. Bless them, make them rich. Lead them, guide them by your Holy Spirit. Let them apply biblical principles. Take them to the top financially. And Father, I thank you. They are champion givers for your kingdom cause in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, use your faith. Do something maybe that some of you have never done before. Proclaim, profess, declare, decree the Word of God. Say, it is God's will for me to be rich. Say that. Say, it is God's will for me to be rich. Say, I am rich. Say that as a confession of the faith in God's Word. Say, I am rich. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Now, let's take our Bibles today. And let's go to the, uh, the last book in the Bible, which is very easy to find. It's Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to go today to verse 21. And I want to talk about something that should be essential on a regular basis in your life. And it should be essential, especially on the most important day of your life. And really, I actually believe by doing this, it sets up those most important days of your life. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, we ask for the quickening power of your Holy Spirit, the quickening understanding of your word. Let us take it. Let us apply it to our lives beginning today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your anointing, your grace, and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So here Jesus is speaking, 
And he says to him who overcomes, there are various things in life that we have to overcome. And of course, most of those things are going to be in the areas of the soul and the flesh and having to overcome them when the spirit is willing, but so often the flesh can be weak, but the spirit is willing. So you're going to have to overcome anything that would try to hold you back from stepping into the fullness of what God has planned for you. And the good news is that you can, and there are rewards. There are blessings associated with any time you overcome to him who overcomes. I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So I see you overcoming. I see rewards and blessings uh, for overcoming that the Lord holds before you. And he always gives a reward because he has designed us in a sense with motivation. The motivation, uh, the inspiration is because there is a beautiful reward attached to it. And uh, there are so many that the Lord presents. And let's talk about uh moving forward today, overcoming, particularly in one area. Let's go now to the book of Proverbs. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 8. Praise God today. Praise the Lord forever. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17. This is the personification of wisdom. Wisdom is a person personified speaking. Now we know that wisdom is Christ. We also know that the wisdom is his word. So let's jump into it. Verse 17. I love those who love me, that would be wisdom speaking, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Now, some translations, including the King James, which I like because it's based off the Masoretic text for the Old Testament, which is a very reliable text. Uh, others use good text as well, but uh, it'll bring out some gems that are very helpful. Uh, the King James Version says, those who seek me early. Well, Pastor Stephen, some versions say diligently, some say early. Which one's right? Good question. Uh, the answer is that they both are. Now, in the Hebrew, the, the phrase that we see here in the English, seek me diligently, or KJV, seek me early, is actually one word in the Hebrew, and it's the word shakar, S-H-A-C-H-A-R, shakar. And of course, if you were to say that in Hebrew with a Middle Eastern accent, it would be a very thick pronunciation with the R's, and I don't really have that uh, Hebrew ability to do that, although my daughter says I do, uh, but you know, that's not really uh, me to uh, you know, do all of that, because spit starts flying anytime I usually start speaking uh, uh, those heavy accented words in the Hebrew, but it's, it's the word shakar. And it literally means to be up early at any task. And it literally means to be up in the morning. Okay. So we know it's in the morning and we also know that it means to be up early in the morning, regardless, regardless of what it is that is going on that day. And those are the words of wisdom. By the way, verse 18 is pretty good, too. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. So we say yes to that. Now, verse 21, wisdom continues by saying that I may cause those who love me. And, of course, we know that those who love wisdom, they're going to be up early in the morning with great diligence, okay? That I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may feel their treasuries. Now, some versions say inherit substance. And I like that, too. I, I can agree with that because there is a weight that goes with anybody that really knows the Lord or 
if you get really good at your thing, regardless of what that is, you carry a weight. Uh, the word weight would go back to the word glory in the Hebrew, which would be the word kabod, and it, it does mean a weight. So there's a weightiness. And so there can be a substance that's a weightiness. We know that gold is extremely heavy, but also wealth. It, uh, there's something about wealth and all of these things that will flow out of this fountain of seeking wisdom or seeking the Lord early. Praise the Lord. Now, Proverbs chapter 31, also speaking of uh, the early bird, if we could use that expression, Proverbs chapter 31, this whole chapter is about the value of a woman who loves God, serves God, all of the attributes of her taking care of her family, her husband. It is a beautiful chapter, and this was actually a chapter that was taught to King Solomon. It says King, King Lemuel, but Lemuel was the pen name used by King Solomon, and this was taught to him by his mother, and that, uh, that is a beautiful story in and of itself. But I want to get to verse 15. It says, she, that would be the godly woman, also rises while it is yet night. So she is up early before the sun ever comes up. She's up very early in the morning and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. So this is not the lady that's sleeping in till 930 in the morning or, you know, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. This is somebody that's just that they're moving. They're getting a lot accomplished every single day. So that would be in theme with the whole book, book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. Now, we are told in God's word that we are to look to the rock from which we have been hewn or cut out of. And that is a direct reference to the man of God named Abraham. So I would like to start with him today. And let's go today to Genesis chapter 19. And you're going to pick up something very, very quick, because I'm just going to start unloading it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Let it go into your spirit. And you decide what to do with it after you have seen where you've come from. I want to show you your spiritual DNA. I want to show you what they did. And then when I show this to you, you can decide what you would like to do with it. Are you ready? Because I'm going to run quick with you today. Praise the Lord. Now, Genesis chapter 19, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about Abraham. Verse 27, and Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He had talked with the Lord about what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he pleaded with the Lord and kept getting the number down lower and lower and lower. Lord, if there's uh, only 10, will you preserve the cities? And the Lord said, yeah, I'll do it just for 10. We know that they could not even find 10. So destruction was imminent. But Abraham, it says he went early in the morning to that place. And he's going to watch the events unfold. And they certainly did unfold. But notice that he's up early. Early in the morning, Genesis chapter 21, we are now over in verse 14, and it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning. Could you imagine this great man that it says that was, he was very rich with gold and silver and livestock. Could you imagine a man that had all these servants, and all this wealth and all of this stuff going on, sleeping in till 930 in the morning? I can't even visualize it. And you can't because it didn't happen. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and put it on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy, he, he gave it 
and the boy to, to Hagar. So this would be the sending away of Hagar and Ishmael. Ishmael right around this time is probably right around the age of 16 years old. But Sarah can't take it anymore. Said, Abraham, they've got to go. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and the Lord said, hey, listen to your wife on this one. So they were leaving. But notice with the departure that Abraham is not like, hey, I don't really know what's going on. I'm going to sleep in and pretend like I, I, I'm not aware of this. No, he rose early in the morning. He rose early in the morning. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. Are you ready for this one? The biggest day of his life. Oh, he had some momentous moments. He had the cutting of the covenant. He had encounters with the Lord. But this day was one that I believe topped them all. And this was the day that something was going to happen to his life that would be, in the Old Testament, one of the most beautiful symbolic word pictures representing the Father sending His Son and the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary. And this portrayed it more beautifully than any other Old Testament portrayal. And we see in verse 30, excuse me, verse 3, on this epic day, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him. On this big day, the biggest day of his life, notice he's still in, he's still in theme. He is who he is. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Do you see a trend? Do you see something consistent in his life? Yes, you do. And you're cut from the same spiritual stone. The same DNA is in you because we are through Christ, we're, and we're in Christ. We are in Christ, the, the children of Abraham. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That doesn't do away with the Jews. The Jews, of course, are the direct natural descendants of Abraham. But praise God, hey, we got grafted in when we got saved. <laughs> so we're, we're grafted in. Glory to God. And that same spiritual DNA is now in us. Hallelujah. So we see this beautiful uh, cons consistency in the life of Abraham. May it also be displayed in your life. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 28, and let's look at Jacob, whose name, of course, was going to be changed to Israel. Israel, the name of the, the people of God. But here we have Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning. I wonder where he got that from. I wonder where these similarities come from. I wonder where, where these principles of tithing come from. They, come, they came from grandfather. You have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And what Abraham did was taught to his son. And then what his son did was taught to his son. And it's accumulating and it's continuing. Praise the Lord. Then Jacob rose early. In the morning, and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. Praise God. And that happened when he got up early in the morning. Can you imagine the father of a nation sleeping in till 1130? No, I don't think so. No, no, no. He was up early in the morning. Praise God. Now, we're going to go over to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 8. Praise the Lord today. And let's take a look at a day in the life of Moses. Exodus chapter 8, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, 
Get up at 1030 in the morning and start eating your biscuits and gravy. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got a modern translation that slipped in on me. <laughs> That's not really what it says. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning. That's what God's word says and records. Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Look, if you want to get into the governmental anointing, if you want to do some high, high level business, you know, those guys are moving in the morning, you know, by, by, by nine o'clock, it's, it's already full speed ahead. Praise the Lord. And you need to be up to speed by then, which means you've got to get up earlier before that and get kind of get woke, you know, get everything woke up, get the system going physically, spiritually, very importantly, you know, your mind, everything, get everything dialed in. So when you walk in, you're not just, well, I'm just now getting going. No, no, they're, they're, it's already rolling full speed. So you have to be already merged into that. Trust me, Pharaoh was. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter nine, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Last time you got up early, but this time sleep in because my assignment for you is not really that important. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep slipping over to one of these modern translations. Let me go back to what the Bible says. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus. Chapter 24, verse 4, Exodus 24, verse 4. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Praise God. Exodus 34. Well, Pastor Stephen, by the time you get to Exodus 34, he's an old man by then. He's just sleeping in all day by that, by that, by that time. Exodus 34, verse 4. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Abraham, Jacob, Moses. But let's do a few more just to uh, have a little fun here. How about that? Joshua. Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, not him, Pastor Stephen. He was the new millennial generation. You know, he got the mantle for Moses, and he does things differently. He's the new cutting edge, and they don't do it like the old timers. They've got a smarter and better way. They don't need to do that old-fashioned stuff. Joshua, chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. And they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. Seems to me that some of that old-fashioned wisdom is uh, still working and uh, still appreciated by Joshua, who's walking in the spirit of wisdom that his mentor had imparted into him. Praise God, Joshua, excuse me, yes, Joshua chapter 6, verse 12. And Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Praise God. Looks like this is something that's just not a one-time event for him. Seems like it's just uh, part and parcel 
of who he is. Praise God. Joshua chapter 7, verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. How about that? Joshua chapter 8, verse 10. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up. He and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. Praise the Lord. I could go on further with Joshua, but that's enough. I think that you see there is some amazing consistency there with him as well. All cut from the same rock. All cut from that same rock. And that, my friends, is what the Lord put into Abraham. That's why God chose Abraham. And uh, God said, that's my man. I'm going to cut covenant with him. And uh, his identity is going to be in me, and I'm going to work through him. I'm going to teach him principles of faith. And I tell you what, he had an amazing uh, influence upon the children of Israel. Praise God. Now, let's look in the life of Gideon. We're now in the book of Judges, chapter 6. And we see here in verse 38. And it was so, when he, Gideon, rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's having a good time with the Lord early in the morning. Now, let's look at something very beautiful with Hannah, who became the mother of the very trustworthy prophet Samuel. So let's jump over the first Samuel chapter one, verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning. That would be Hannah and her husband. Then they rose early in the morning. Oh, Pastor Stephen, she, you know, she don't need to be getting up that early. She's had a big day before, you know, you know, running into the high priest and having a conversation with him and all the drama the day before. She'd probably drain. She needed to sleep in. No, no, apparently not. And then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And returned and came to their house at Ramah. Praise God. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Hallelujah. What a blessing. What a blessing. Praise God. Now, let's look in the life of the prophet Samuel. We know that his mom and his dad were up early. But maybe, maybe he's not going to be like that. Maybe he's going to be a sluggard. Maybe he's going to sleep in somehow. He's going to, he's going to be the, the prophet of Israel, but somehow he's going to maybe sleep in until, you know, 1030 in the morning. Let's see if he thinks he can do that. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, oh, well, he's still, still holding on to old-fashioned principles, praise God. Raised there in the tabernacle of the Lord, raised by uh, those who worked there, the, the high priest, the other priest. He was mentored there in the house of God. And my friends, he's, he's got some, some good stuff going on on the inside of him. He's got a calling. He's got an anointing. But he's also got structure in his life. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. But my friends, uh, Samuel is up early. He wants to know what's going on. He is a prophet, but in so many ways, it's it's like he's the leader. Uh, you know, Saul doesn't really know what he's doing, and uh, the, Saul's the first king. So everybody really has their eyes on Samuel, and trust me, he's got... 
the qualities inside of him, the, char the, the, the character, character qualities that are needed to be a go-to guy. Praise the Lord. And he's up early in the morning. By the way, do you see a trend happening with the great men and women of God in the Bible? I'm sure that you do. Let's continue on a little bit more. We can just move one chapter over. And uh, two chapters, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and take a look at a day in the life of David. Verse 20, so David rose early in the morning. Do you see, do you see these are people that God's picking? Hallelujah. Now watch this. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. What's going on? He's stepping into the greatest day of his life, stepping into the greatest day of the life of his life. And very, very soon he's going to be walking out onto the battlefield to face the giant Goliath. Good thing he was up early in the morning. Mm, 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 mm. And I believe when you incorporate this secret of success that your great days, they're already prepared because of the great things that you're doing. They may seem small, but you're doing them consistently and that builds something into you of great character, great faith. Great strength, great courage, and great backbone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's continue on. Job, chapter 1, verse 5. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning. Here's Job with all of this wealth. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, he's got all that money. He can just sleep in, let somebody else run the show for him in the morning. Let the general manager oversee it. He, he, he's probably tired. He needs some extra rest. No, he's, he's up early. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Wow, how about that? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolutely amazing? Very quickly, let's go to the New Testament. There's so many, so many in the New Testament, but just, just a couple, just a couple. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. How's that for early? The sun's not even up. Well, uh, you know, Pastor Stephen, uh, you know, it's dark outside and could be dangerous. Uh, she, she's a lady. Probably should just stay home. They haven't invented flashlights yet. It's dangerous out there. It's dark. She probably shouldn't be doing anything until the sun comes up. No, no. When you've got a, when you got something to do and, and somewhere to go, just go in faith. Hallelujah. Trust God and just go. Praise the Lord. That's what she did. She went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And that was a trait in all of the Marys, especially Mary, the mother of Jesus. But we don't have time to cover all of those. Acts chapter 5. We're moving over to Acts chapter 5. Praise the Lord today. And I want you to see verse 21. And let's see how the apostles ran their day. Verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple. That's the apostles. They entered the temple early in the morning and taught. Well, if they're teaching early, 
that means they would have gotten up even earlier to prepare a message because you can't just, you know, get out of bed, grab some food and just walk out and say, you know, hey, uh, sit down. I want to teach you something. No, you have to have it prepared. So they, they were up very, very early getting the word, getting the message, you know, from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they're going out and they're ready to teach. So they were already at the temple early in the morning and they taught. Woo! Praise the Lord. So you start your day with the word of God. Get, yeah, get some prayer going. Get, get into the presence of the Lord and then get a scripture that you can chew on for the rest of the day. Something that will build you up. Something that you can meditate on throughout the day because the just shall live by faith. And that's uh, that's not just faith in you know, some kind of ethereal something other. No, that's faith in the word. So you get the word into you in the morning. Take that with you throughout the day. You have a prayed up day. You have the word with you. You're ready to go. Praise God. And that's the way the apostles ran their daily routine. Glory to God. Okay. Very quickly. Gospel of Luke chapter six. Just a couple of more. Luke chapter six. You're seeing a pattern. It's a biblical pattern. These people were not successful by luck, chance, or coincidence. Stop putting success over on luck. It doesn't work like that. It works because they're doing certain things right. And this is a major success secret that we're talking about today. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 13. And when it was day, a very important day, time to select the, the disciples, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Praise the Lord. So he's up early. He was up early. It, how do we know that? Verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Just, just prayed all throughout the night and just kept on praying all morning long. Mm -mm -mm. Why? On big days, these major epic days, don't, let me see if I can say this sweetly. Don't you dare sleep in. Don't you dare sleep in on a big day. You cannot do that. <laughs> if you want to sleep in, you know, uh, get, uh, you find a day if you can when it's low profile. But on a big day, you know, you're going to choose the 12. Oh, that's not the day to sleep in. Uh, that's the day you're going to have to pray all night on. That's the day you have to just throw down. You, you're, you're going to have to pay the price, uh, you know, uh, crucify the flesh and rise up and be the person God's called you to be. And push to sleep back. You may not have to pray all night. It's not, a, it's not every day that you're going to choose the 12. That's a once and done, done moment. But that's a major thing, major thing. You can't afford to get one wrong. Mm -mm. So you pray till you get the answers. Glory to God. That's all night. All night. Now, here's my favorite. You guys know which one this is. This is Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. I'm not going to reteach that. I've taught it uh, quite extensively. And we could do deep dive into that verse and open that up and talk about it uh, easily for an hour, much longer than that, actually. But my friends, uh, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing some tremendous discipline across the spectrum of these biblical characters that God worked through these men and women. And they were all, 
up early in the morning, all up early in the morning, praying, getting ready for the day, getting the word in, getting ready for the day, receiving wisdom, receiving the manna from God, the, the revelatory uh, knowledge of God's word, getting that early. And you walk into the day and you're ready for anything. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. One more. One more. Mark chapter 16. Hallelujah. We'll finish with this one. Mark 16, verse 9, referring to Jesus. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, he's resurrected, got his resurrected body. And, uh, you know, he can he can afford to take it easy now. I mean, let just let him show up at 10 o'clock in the morning. No, that's not his style. <laughs> he's already rolling. Woo, hallelujah, and things are moving. So you need to be moving too. See, it says now when he arose early, early on the first day of the week, he's up, he's appearing to people, visitations, supernatural encounters, divine experiences, praise God, amen. So structure and plan your day so that you can incorporate a proven principle into your life. I don't like to preach anything that doesn't work for me. Hallelujah. Uh, and I'm not saying there's things in the Bible that don't work. Um, if, if somebody's doing something they think is biblical and it's not working, they're not interpreting those scriptures properly because the word works. Trust me. It, it's like a tool. This is, this is like a tool book. You can take these instructions and you work them and uh, you follow the instructions right. They're guaranteed to work with phenomenal success. So the things I know are the things I've learned. And when I say the things I know, I'm talking about I, what I've got revelation on, what I have understanding on. It's a big book. I, I, can't, I can't implement it all. I don't know it all. And should I live to be 100? Uh, should we have time? Should the Lord uh, tarry with his return? I, I'm still not going to be able to learn it all so I can, quote, teach it all, unquote. That's not possible. It's too dense. It's too thick. It's too layered. It's too deep. It's too rich. Uh, it's too packed. But what I do know and what I do have revelation on, that's what I live by. And also that's what I teach. And what I'm giving to you today, these 12 examples of these various people that I've just mentioned and just have gone through very quickly. I'm just telling you that I know this works and they do too. And I would highly suggest that you pray about it, consider it, thank it and implement it into your life. And you'll find out that it does open you up to that realm where Proverbs promises wealth and riches for those that seek early. And as it means in the Hebrew, it means up early in the morning. It is a path to riches. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for those that are watching, that they'll take these scriptures to heart, that they'll consider their spiritual DNA, Abraham and all of the others that walked in this, including the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world himself. So, Father, we thank you. We take it and uh, we enjoy it. We practice it. I would ask for grace, Father, for your people. Grace, grace, grace to merge into this lane of walking where the spirit comes first and the flesh uh, comes second and flesh can figure out where it and how it's going to get its sleep. But as far as the early morning hours, that's devoted to you. So, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Let there be an impartation of grace for your people to merge into this prophetic walk in Jesus' name. Amen. And I would also call it apostolic because we know that the apostles practiced this as well. Let me say this. There is a grace, and I believe 
I believe so often it even requires it from the Lord. If it's not something that maybe your parents put into you or something that came easily, maybe because even of your, uh, the way you are, it's still something that you can merge into. And if you'll ask the Lord for it, he, he is very keen to help you on this, which tells me that he, he's a big believer in it. And we know he is because we see all the scriptures of what he did, including one of my favorite verses if not my favorite verse in the Bible, which is Mark chapter 1, verse 35, of how he got up early to pray. But let things help you. You know, when I'm in uh, certain countries, whether it's uh, Indonesia, like Jakarta, or if I'm in Israel, in Jerusalem, listen, when that Muslim prayer call, call to prayer, goes off over the loudspeakers at 4 o'clock in the morning, I just go ahead and get up. I'm planning on getting up anyhow, but when I hear that, I'm just like, well, they're getting up to pray. And, you know, a lot of them are doing it out of religious, well, all of them, you know, actually that are doing that. They're doing it out of uh, uh, so much of the world's religions are based upon, as we would call, good works. Let your good works outweigh your, your bad works, and then hopefully you'll get into heaven. We know it doesn't work like that because all have fallen short of the glory of God, and nobody's good enough to get to heaven. But uh, they're, they're getting up to do their thing. You know, when I hear the call to prayer, I, uh, I'm like, well, Lord, I want to get up too. Hallelujah. I'm you know, it's making so much noise. Anyhow, I'm just going to go ahead and get up. So just use stuff. Use anything that would happen. Well, Pastor Stephen, I've been having some bad dreams lately. Well, look, we can put an end to that. I've done, done teaching on how to uh, uh, bring a remedy for that. But the thing is, is that should that be happening, we'll just go ahead and get up. Oh, Pastor Stephen had a really bad dream at four o'clock in the morning. We'll get up and pray and then stay up. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, and let stuff like that, use it as a springboard. Should the devil do something bizarre, bad, or troublesome, use it as a springboard and uh, let, that, let that be something that can even be turned in a positive way where you can get up and get going into that early morning prayer. When I was in Charlotte just over the last uh, uh, three or four days, we were recording programs for season three of our Pure Gold TV show. And every morning, Right around, uh, it was no later than 4.30, here comes the train. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you won't hear a train in the big city too much. No, no, I, every morning, here comes the train. You know, whoo, whoo, you know, go, going, I don't know where it was, but pretty close to the hotel. You know, because, you know, we're going to be recording early in the morning. But in order to do that, I've got to get up extra early because, you know, I'm running through all these messages every day. So, you know, hey, there's the train. Well, that's just an extra boost. I've got the alarm set anyhow. I've got that alarm. i got the train, you know, going crazy on the horn. I, the engineer must be really happy. Maybe he thinks it's fun to, you know, make that much noise in the morning. But either way, getting up, praise the Lord. Oh, I'm just going to roll over, Pastor Stephen, go back to sleep. Let these things help you. The Lord will work through these uh, circumstances and events to help you. You get up, you have to go to the restroom. You know, it's five o'clock in the morning. Well, just go ahead and stay up. You know, it's, and sometimes not only it actually wakes you up. And you you kind of want to wish you could go back to sleep. Well, you're already awake anyhow. Just go ahead and stay up. Go go and pray. Go spend time with the Lord. Mm -mm. Use it all as impetus. For getting into that early morning time with the Lord. Mm -mm. There's so much in this. We, we're just touching the very tip of the iceberg. And as on most icebergs, uh, the bulk of the material is beneath the water. You can't really see it. We don't have time to dive deep into it today. But trust me, this is a major success secret in the Bible. Praise God. Father, thank you for grace. Let there be grace 
even outside uh, circumstances that can be used uh, to help your people to get up and pray, loud sounds or whatever it be, or that wake them up. Lord, we just thank you for everybody that wants to step into this good grace to get going and emerge into this. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the amazing things that await us in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, the invitation stands open to you right now to receive eternal life through Him. If you would like to get your life right with God, don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. Right now, pray this prayer. Pray it out loud. Just pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners. Jesus, I give you my heart. Come into my life. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, from this day forward, step into my life, take control, take over, lead me and guide me. Jesus, I take you now as my Lord and Savior. I take you by faith. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And amen. My friends, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. God loves you. God loves you so much. So keep serving Him now. Walk with Him. And God has beautiful things planned for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, let's take Holy Communion. If you've never done this before, Jump in and let's do it all together. Church family, gather together around the world. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. I use these little wafers. You can use those or find something else that would be similar to this. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. Father, Jesus said that when we receive it, that it is his body and his blood. So we pray over it and set this apart as holy. This is now the body and the blood of Christ. Father, as we receive the body of Jesus. We thank you that we receive his promises and we also receive his principles. So let us walk and operate by biblical principles. We thank you, Father God, for um, the early morning anointing, spending time with you so that all of our days are ordered by you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive his blood now, we thank you for forgiveness of sins. We thank you that we are saved through Christ and that we are on our way to heaven. Father, we give you praise for his blood. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you. Father, we, if we have committed any sins, we ask that you would forgive us and we forgive anyone who has sinned against us. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, thank you for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. And so go seek the Lord early. And the best day, the greatest day of your life, really will be the greatest day of your life because you're actually ready for it. Woo! Praise the Lord. See you back real soon. Bye-bye.